Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I left. just want somebody to share my life with. Talking is the most dangerous thing people do. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know... This ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another episode presented by TextNow, the app that keeps communication with your dates safe and sexy by giving you a free alternate number that you can use just for chatting it up with your matches. Today, we're going to talk about chatting it up in your relationship, we will take a look inside the science of communication in relationships. And I will be talking to two of my very favorite authors, Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt. If you're not familiar with their names, let me tell you something. They are internationally renowned couples therapists and their best-selling book, Getting the Love You Want, literally changed the game for couples worldwide. But before we talk to them, we got to talk about some headlines like Hollywood proves again that slow love is the only way to go. And need some advice on your dating profile? Your answer might lie with Reddit. Then in Dear Demona, I'll be answering your questions, including do divorced guys get a bad rap in dating? And do men in their 50s only want ladies half their age? Hmm. Provocative. Food for thought. We'd better do this dish. D's dating dish. Flip or flop has flipped again. Christina Hack's ex is dating Renee Zellweger. It is true. In, ca in case you're wondering, <laughs> producer Leo and I had this conversation earlier. Like, wait, who is Christina Hack? Christina El Musa from Flip or Flop. That was her original name. And then she hurried up and changed it to Christina Anstead when she married Aunt Anstead, who's also a television host. You know, they had a cute little show together, Christina on the Coast. And then Christina called it quits after they had a baby together and was like, our communication's all wrong. You should go move on. Move on, Aunt. I don't want you anymore. And Aunt was like, that's cool. I'm going to move on and I'm going to move on with an Oscar winning actress. Oh, burn, man, burn. Christina, here's the deal. Christina has moved around a lot in love. I'll just say it that way. She and Tarek, they had been together for a long time. When they started Flipper Flop, they had been married, I think about, you know, three or four years. They had a baby. And then, of course, the communication started to break down. Then he had a health scare. He was battling cancer. He had a back injury. There was all this stuff that she she did stand by him through. But once they then had another child, again, they couldn't seem to get the communication back on track. And they finally broke up. She rebounded with Aunt Anstead. And very quickly, they fell in love. And the thing is, like, 
this is a modern family, right? Like, I actually like that people are able to see what real relationships look like. You know, it's not all pat like we see on HGTV. The real story behind what is being filmed is actually a little bit more complicated. So I like that we're able to relate to Christina and see that it's not always rosy. But the thing that Ant did before he moved on with Renee Zellweger, who I'll get to in a minute, her relationship history. Ant did the create the love process, which if you haven't heard our episode with Mark Groves from back in January, it was freaking fantastic. And you should definitely go and listen to it. If you've had a bad breakup, if you may be carrying energy from a breakup into your future relationships or your situationships or wherever you find yourself. And Ant actually did his five-week process, which we talked about also on that episode, to be ready for love again. And he's done a lot of self-work to change his mindset and his approach to dating to improve his communication. And so hopefully he and Renee are in a place where they can communicate better than they did in their prior relationships. Renee has had a lot of high profile boyfriends. She was married. I didn't even know this, y'all. She was married to Kenny Chesney in 2015 after just five months of dating. And then their marriage only lasted four months. I swear, I've had breakouts that lasted longer than their relationship did. I really hope that they are learning that slow love is the way to go. And people love to argue with me on this slow love tip. But I have to teach you the rule and not the exception. Slow it down. I read a study this week that said it takes six months for someone to see if the person they are dating is really marriage material if they're really in the same place that they are. And you're going to hear also later in in a future episode of the show, later in the month, you'll hear a story of a very quick, very successful relationship that ended up in marriage. But I want you to enjoy the romanticism of those stories. But know that for you, I'm always going to be preaching slow love. And just one last hot tip for Christina and anybody else who's thinking about it. Don't change your name, ladies. Don't change your name again, because she keeps changing her name. And everybody's like, wait, who is this? Christina Hack? Christina Elmusa, Christina Anstead. Girl, you're going to lose your Instagram handle. You built your career. Just do you, boo. Keep your name. Date who you want. Well, if you are out here dating and frustrated with dating apps, I have a new solution for you. And it's Reddit. (laughs) Turns out there are lots of people who are happy to give advice and feedback on your dating profile there. There are all kinds of threads that you can follow in which people post what they've written in their profile. They post their photos and they get open and honest feedback. And I thought that this was a really revolutionary idea. Obviously, people come to me all the time and want a profile polish. And that is where I began my dating coaching career. Now it's really part of a larger program of being able to understand what your goals are in the relationship, what you're bringing into the relationship, what you have to offer and what you're looking for. I won't get into all of that today. You can't just create a profile in a vacuum, but maybe you've done that work either with me or with someone else already. And you're just saying, dang, why does my profile not attract the kind of dates that I want? So you could just post it on Reddit and get feedback there. Take this all with a grain of salt because 
I don't know if you've been on Reddit or like the Internet (laughs) anytime in the last, say, 10 years, but people aren't always the most kind and compassionate there. But you'll get the real deal. They actually there was a board moderator. There's a hinge board there. And when the comments got too harsh, they actually had to add new rules because People were saying like, oh, you're overweight or making stereotypical remarks about race. And so there's a motion among moderators to to ban people that are not there to be helpful and assist. But there were some Redditors who are Reddit famous now just for doing this. So if you go to Reddit, look out for Reddit Jane. She's a 58-year-old divorcee. She was married for 32 years, and now she loves giving advice to 20-something guys who are her son's age. Probably because her son ain't taking her advice. (laughs) But her, her tips are be specific in your profile. Provide at least 10 different information nuggets, which matches can generate questions from. And you've heard me say that here. Like, leave threads so that they can pick it up. There was somebody that they profiled that they were like, there's nothing in your profile. It's just pictures and your height. <laughs> you ha- you actually have to work the, the apps for them to work. You can't just throw up some pictures and expect for all the honeys to come r- running in and messaging you. You actually have to reveal a little bit. Think of leaving those threads that somebody then can message a specific message to you. They also interviewed a relationship coach for this Inside Hook article, which we'll link to in the show notes. She says that we tend to attach ourselves to a lot of the negative feedback because of our brain's negative negative bias. I would call it negativity bias, but okay. She says it's evolutionary and it helps keep us out of harm's way. That's why we love doing this stuff. We know it's vulnerable to put your profile out there, but in a way we kind of want to hear the negative feedback and it confirms certain things that we believe about ourselves. So if you're going to do this, don't get all caught up. You have to agree to Brene Brown says, you know, take what fits and leave the rest. Take what you need and leave the rest. You cannot get caught up. But if it sounds a little too vulnerable, a little too out there for you, just start with my profile starter kit. It's free. It's on the Dates and Mates website. If you just go to datesandmates.com and scroll down, I have plug and play templates. I have a video on how to choose the best photos. And I promise you, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to call you names or cut you down. I want to lift you up to make you successful in love. We have Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt. They are legends in my field of dating and relationship coaching. And I cannot wait to share their wisdom with you right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. And I'm so thrilled to share this deep and thought-provoking conversation with Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt. They are two idols of mine, two internationally renowned couples therapists, 
and New York Times bestselling authors. I actually have the 30th anniversary edition of their book, Getting the Love You Want, and it's all dog-eared and highlighted all over. It's a hot mess. Lucky for me, they even have a 40th anniversary edition that's out now, and it remains the true relationship Bible that so many of my colleagues and I live by. And here they are telling me why you might be thinking of your relationships all wrong. We have a new definition of relationship. We say a relationship is two people and the space between them. It's invisible, but it's an energy field. Mm -hmm. And what two people need to learn to do to have a good relationship is to care for the energy field between one person and the other because there's a physics of what we call the physics of the between. When the physics of the between is safe, people connect. Mm. Now, when there's anxiety in the space between, people pull back and go, "Uh uh-oh, I don't like this person. I don't trust them. But if people can restore safety in the between, they connect. Basically, safety is non-negotiable to have a connected relationship. And there is a science of how to have safe relationships. And I am lucky enough to be married to the person who is famous for simplifying the complex and helps anybody have a transformed relationship. The key word of the day is safety. According to Dr. Hendricks, the only way to have effective communication in any relationship, whether it's romantic or not, is to signal safety. Talking is the most dangerous thing people do. And listening is the most infrequent thing people do. The one thing to know is that safety is essential. If you don't know how to talk so that people are safe when you're talking or when they're talking to you, then you're going to have a difficult conversation or no conversation at all. And when you say talking is the most dangerous thing that people do, tell me what you mean by that. That's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. Well, it's based on the tension of difference, as though everything was the same, as everybody saw things your way. But nobody sees things your way. Everybody sees things their way, including you. And if you know that, then you are more curious than you are judgmental. But usually we're judgmental when we talk. You should do it this way, or this is the best way to do it. And if you really had ever studied this, then you would understand that. You know, all of those are put downs, all of those are negativities, and we do stuff like that all the time. So I think when you've been sequestered and you go back out into the world, one of the things to do is imagine that this is a good time to learn the basic skill of engaging another human being uh, without pissing them off. Uh, <laughs> and, and one of the things, one of the ways that we would say do that is when you want to talk to somebody, you've made a date and you're meeting them at a restaurant or you're on the phone making a date, you could say, is now a good time to talk with you about where we're going to dinner or what we're going to do with our time? Is now a good time to do that. We call that making an appointment. And it sounds awkward. The other option you have is to assume that they are waiting with their mind open for you to start shining your story on their screen. 
So you just walk into them and say, well, here's what I think we ought to do when we go out to dinner without asking them, is it okay to come into your movie house and with my projector and show you what the picture that's going on in my mind? Is that okay? And if they say, well, sure, I'd love to see what, what your thoughts are. Tell me about that. Then they're saying it's okay to talk. I'm available. I got my ears open. I'm available to talk. But if you just start talking to them, they may say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. That doesn't sound interesting to me. So now you've got tension. And that tension then triggers everybody's amygdala, which is a part of the brain that's looking for danger. Is it safe to be with this person? They're, they're already into tension. That would be my on-ramp. When you go back out into the world, to begin thinking about saying to people, honor, we call it honoring boundaries. Begin honoring boundaries, saying, it's now a good time to, and then fill in the blank, talk with you about where we're going for dinner or what we're going to do after the movie or whatever. Couples therapists talk a lot about honoring boundaries, not about how to communicate that you're honoring someone's boundary. According to Dr. Hendricks and Dr. Hunt, there's one word that can change the game in the way you communicate. One of the interesting things is that when I use the word you, the fear center of your brain will activate. Wow. Even if I'm going to use the word in a positive way, because the brain is not quite sure if I say you, whether I'm going to say you are wonderful or you are awful. Not quite sure. So if you shift to the other side and say, I, I'd like to make an appointment with you, then the brain actually doesn't go through that. It goes straight to the prefrontal cortex where there are no feelings because you're now centered here. You're saying I, and it connects with the other person. And why that is the case, people just say the brain has a negativity bias that was developed over millions of years ago that we never trust anybody coming at us or toward us or anything until we get a signal that they're not going to kill us. And then we decide whether we're going to approach or whether we're going to run. The brain is the most complex organ in the universe, like brain scientists say that. And you can simplify the brain as you're thinking about relationships, saying the brain has two parts. There's a lower brain we call the crocodile brain. And there's an upper brain that is the wise owl. Now, the crocodile brain is super because, thank goodness, the crocodile wants to keep you alive. It wants to keep you safe. And if someone is seems dangerous, the crocodile will, like, open its mouth and snap their arm off, like, yeah. just kill the other person if they are threatened, if something is said that's threatening. And how does that translate? Well, sometimes... I'm telling a joke that I think is funny, and Harville doesn't think the joke is funny. He goes, well, Helen, you said something insulting just now. I said, I was, that was a joke. I was trying to be funny. If it lands the wrong way, he can't help it. I'm his partner, and I'm here to protect him and adore him and help him thrive and succeed. And then I suddenly slammed him. But the crocodile brain goes off out of control. In other words, this crocodile just judges, is it safe or dangerous mm -hmm. by automatic response? Mm -hmm. 
Now, the neocortex, the upper brain, the wise owl brain, is a newly developed part of the brain where you can think, you can co-create ideas, you can strategize, you can wonder about things. None of that goes on in the lower brain. The lower brain is, I'm right, you're wrong. I win, you lose. It's about, am I safe or am I not? And I win, you lose. Now, the upper brain can create a win-win. Neuroplasticity, we can shape our brains by the thoughts we run through them. And you have to practice moving into the upper brain, and it releases neurochemicals of calm, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, acetylcholine that are calm neurochemicals, as opposed to adrenaline and cortisol that are toxic neurochemicals. Yes. And, uh, and so you feel better. Having fun and doing joke books is like a way to have a healthy brain. One of you in a relationship, especially once it's committed, is going to work really hard around all sorts of things to make the relationship good. The siblings, everyone's birthday has to be acknowledged and you know, of them and also their partner. And then, I don't know, they want it to work and they over effort it. (laughs) And the other one is a little bit, I care about relationships. Mm, mm -hmm. I just don't think it needs a lot of this or that or the other. Just live and let live, but leave things alone. We're, We're in a relationship, everything's fine. And they both maybe love each other equally, but here again is the maximizer, minimizer or the hailstorm and the turtle. Those are the, those are the same names. One will sort of over-function a little and one will under-function. I think most relationships have that turtle, the under-function, and the maximizer, the over-functioning. Are you the hailstorm or the turtle in your relationships? I know that I'm the hailstorm, but luckily I married a turtle. You can't be having two hailstorms in a relationship. That's essentially a hurricane. Anyways, according to the esteemed doctors, what saved their relationship was doing check-ins at the end of the day to make sure that they each feel taken care of in the relationship, which my husband and I do regularly ourselves. Whether you're in a committed relationship or still in the dating stage, asking questions in a way that communicates safety and care is so important. Curiosity is sexy but it's seldom ever used. When you go to curiosity, you then communicate to another person that you are interested in their world, in them. You are showing an interest. It's interesting, the brain knows, ooh, interest. That means that may not kill me. The brain says, I, maybe I could relax a little bit here. and say some more about me, mm-hmm. and you say a little more about you. And we call that that you create a zero negativity environment. And if your environment has zero negativity, it can't just be an intention. Yeah, thank you, Elise. Uh, I love what you're saying also, because I love thinking of a relationship as a discovery process, that every time you're with a person, you might discover something new. And what are you going to today. And one of our little sayings is shift from judgment to curiosity and wonder. Like instead of predicating a person, judging them or, 
well, okay, I don't like this. I did like this, but then I don't like this and this and this, so no way, Jose. You predicate, 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 instead of wonder. Now, I wonder why they're that way. What in their life made them that way? Ask them. Like, I noticed you do so-and-so. Personally, I like da-da-da-da-da, and you like so-and-so. Tell me about that. Why is it that you da-da-da? Mm -hmm. And just then that, that can lead to empathy mm -hmm. for yes. someone. And suddenly yes. you're feeling empathic. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah, think of relationships as a wonder walk. Yeah, and I think there's three <laughs> words, Helen, and they are basically words that you've used and introduced. So judgment, curiosity, and empathy. Drop judgment all the time. The judgment might be I'm deciding not to continue, but that's not a negation. That's just a decision. Right. Go to curiosity. And then when they unveil in response to your curiosity, be empathic. And now you are doing, here's the magic. You're now doing something for yourself because whatever mode, mood you create, you also internalize. And then the person is a wonder. Oh, then so, the Because <laughs> Einstein says, the person who has ceased to wonder is as good as dead. Yeah. Did you catch that? You know that one of my big keywords is curiosity. When you stay curious and when you really engage with the people around you, you'll find more fulfilling relationships and lead a much more fulfilling life. Dr. Hendricks says that this shift in mindset led him out of some very dark times. It was like, did I actually live in that space of constant bemoaning my days, being critical of others and so forth? So that's what I mean by the observing ego. You notice that there's a, things going on and you don't stop and say, hey, I'm running a negative narrative all right now. wonder what's triggering that. Do I want to keep running this narrative? Probably not. Or a negative narrative means I'm activating the cortisol. Now I would say I'm activating cortisol in my bloodstream. That's impacting my immune system. That's going to make me vulnerable to diseases. You can go through all of that and change the narrative so that you begin to take a positive attitude towards yourself and say, I think I'll think about with some gratitudes. I think I'll just shift and think about what was going on or what is going on. It wouldn't be going on if X and X didn't exist, which I had nothing to do with, mm. you know, like the sunshine. I don't have anything to do with the sunshine, but boy, if it were no sun, I would not be here because we're all made of light and the sun amplifies the light. And wow, is that not an interesting thought in itself? Just anything to move you into some affirming stance, some appreciative stance, some, and I think the, there's a lot of stuff written on gratitude, and I think that's a great word. The word we practice more is affirmation, affirming others, and we affirm ourselves. There are really only two ways of being with others, and one is you treat them as an it, and they're, they're an object, and they're there to serve you and meet your needs. You don't have to treat them well, or you treat them as a thou in which their value exists independent of anything you could say about them or to them or of any value they are to you. They simply are valuable because they exist. So 
there's no conditions to my valuing you because your value exists independent of any conditions I would give. So if you take that attitude, that's a shift from running your negative narratives to, gee whiz, everybody walking around is actually a thou. And that it's like the other thing that I read the other day, which I totally agree with, is that if everybody would simply believe the truth, that we are all connected, and that we're uh, underneath any sense of separation and difference, we're all connecting. It's an energetic field in which we are connecting. And that whatever we put into that field either amplifies the connecting or ruptures it. It would be the end of negativity, violence, war, polarization, uh, because you couldn't hurt anybody because you know you would hurt yourself. You would be rupturing your own field of positive energy. I am in awe of you both. And thank you so much for being here and sharing all the things you're curious about and all the things you've learned in your many years of practice with the Dates and Mates audience. Yes. Thank, thank you, you for your work helping these people wanting to have thriving relationships. Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Nice to meet you. I will put the link to their best-selling book, Getting the Love You Want, in the show notes, but it's also in my content club homepage. But it's also one of my picks for my content club. Wait, you don't know about my content club? That means you're not in the club yet. It means you're not one of my friends with benefits yet. If you want to get in the club, make sure you sign up at patreon.com slash dates and mates. And you can join me and my other FWBs. Come to my weekly live stream Q&A. You can listen to Dates and Mates library episodes from prior years and so much more. And it's only five bucks to join. You can sign up at patreon.com slash dates and mates. All right, don't go anywhere. When I come back, I'll be answering your questions like navigating the first time you have sex after separating from your wife. And why does a lady have to work so hard for a coffee date? <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's time to answer your questions in Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This question came to me in an email from someone who signed it sincerely confounded. He says, I am 53 and separated from my wife in August. I've been dating someone for four months since February. We have a great time. A lot of making out, laughing, good convo. I like her and I'm very attracted to her. However, she won't have sex with me because she doesn't want to be my first after separation. And I'm not divorced yet. She says men in your position tend to want to sleep around after divorce, but that's never been me. I've always been a one woman at a time person. It's pretty frustrating to be characterized as divorce guy instead of just me. I could pigeonhole her as a single woman with two kids who has never been married, but why? It was also a buzzkill to hear that she also is going to stay on dating apps. But do most recently divorced men get this treatment or is it more of an outlier? And are women these days constantly fishing on the side for better options because of dating apps? Are single folks now becoming commitment phobes because of it? Sincerely confounded. Confounded. Let me tell you something. There's subtext in here that probably because you haven't been on the market for a while and you are kind of a one woman man that maybe you didn't pick up on. 
This does not have to do with she doesn't want to be your first after separation. She would be thrilled for you to not need to sleep around in between your ex and her. It's the second thing you said that you're not divorced yet. This is a major, major sticking point and red flag for a lot of single women because they feel I know it's not you confounded, but they feel like if you have that door open, you're not fully available to them. And I know divorces take time. And sometimes you you have to, uh, there's a lot to unravel, especially if you've been married for a long time. But she doesn't feel like you're totally committed to her yet. And that's understandable. There are plenty of women that would say, I won't even date a guy who is not officially divorced yet. It sounds like this relationship for her hasn't locked into primary position yet. And that's why she's not having sex with you. And that's why she is staying on the dating apps, because she thinks that at any minute you are going to flip the script on her. And it sounds like I'm not going to analyze her because she didn't write to me yet. But it sounds like maybe that's happened to her before. And she's very afraid of getting her heart broken. So if you just reframe this, I know we all think about the situation from our own perspective. And that's totally understandable. But it's not about divorced men getting this treatment. It's not about you playing the role of divorced guy. And it's not about this being a global experience that would happen with every every woman. This is about what she believes about herself, about relationships, about what is going to happen with you. And she is putting up her walls and putting up her shield because she's not able to fully trust you yet. And I'm not saying there's anything you've done to make her unable to trust you. It sounds like there might be some underlying concerns with trust that she has brought into this relationship. But if I'm advising you, which I am right now, and you are confounded right now, I would say you need to have a very direct conversation with her and lay out for her how you are completely in the process of divorcing. You are not intending to date anyone else. You are off the apps and let her know how that feels. Like the fact that she's going back on the apps makes you feel like you're not being cared for, that you're not being cherished and you're not being considered in that. And confounded, you cannot accept that. If you are not getting your needs met in this relationship, even if you laugh and make out and have a good convo, I promise you there are plenty of other women who you would have a great time with, but you need somebody who's going to be on board with you and who's going to fully trust you. And for goodness sakes, who's going to have sex with you? It's been four months. I mean, (laughs) I mean, really? And that sounds like you have a challenging conversation ahead of you. But when you put it all on the table and when you're vulnerable and open up and really share your feelings, that's when you can really get to the heart of what's going on and find a way forward. Hi, Demona. It's Dalia. I listen to your podcast weekly and I, I love every bit of it. The thing is, the reason why I say I suck is because I've never had to work so hard to get a date, a coffee date. You know, I usually go on and I meet someone and I connect with them and then, you know, we'll start date and then kind of, you know, just kind of take it from there. But now it seems like I can't even get a coffee date. So I'm like kind of thinking, I don't know what I've changed. I know I've, you know, I've gotten older and, you know, men my age are looking for 25 year olds. That's what I realized. And, you know, I'm looking for, you know, more mature men. I usually date like men in their fifties. 
and uh, my top off is like 60. So I don't know what's going on. I guess 60 year olds are looking for a 35 year old. So, and I'm not a 35 year old. So I just need some help, you know, please. First of all, Dahlia, I don't know you, but I already love you. I just love the way that you are approaching this question. And I have to give you a little bit of tough love right now because there is a limiting belief that is playing in your mind that has to has to be squashed. No, men your age are not all looking for 25-year-olds. Immature men your age are looking for 25-year-olds. Yes, everyone's going to try to get what they can get, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily trying to build relationships with those women just because they look great. They make them feel young again. They make them feel energized. They are flexible. I mean, that's really the thing, not physically flexible, Dahlia, but that's the thing that men are really attracted to is openness and flexibility. And for, again, not physically mentally, being open to trying new things, being able to be spontaneous with them. And this is the thing that I see a lot of women as they get older. And like, look, I'll admit to it myself. I like my life the way it is. I have my friend circle. I have my activities that I enjoy. Ain't that much changing in my life right now. But if I were single, you better believe I would be open to changing certain things in my routine to let somebody else in. So that is the reframe, first of all, on men my age are looking for younger women. That has to go away. If you come in thinking that, you're going to constantly see that. Okay, next part. Why do you have to work so hard to get a coffee date? Girl, I have to tell you, it's probably your profile. That is the first place to start. Because if your profile is magnetic. It has the right photos. It tells your story. It invites someone to take action. You shouldn't have to work at all for a coffee date. And before I know, I know I have the naysayers that are listening to it and and they're saying like, oh, but there's younger women or there's prettier women or there's people with better skin or better hair or who are better conversationalists or more outgoing or whatever it is that you think that you're not right now. You need to set that aside. There is someone out there for you. The more your profile is celebrating those things that are unique about you, instead of trying to be something that you're not, the more you can attract someone who is appropriate for you and they will be magnetized to you. They can't wait to have a coffee date with you. So we need to really focus in on the profile Get the profile starter kit if you don't have it already. I promise you it works. Y'all, side note, I did a profile polish on the show called City Line, and it's actually posted up now on my Instagram if you want to see the before and after. But I literally spent five minutes with this woman reworking her profile. She actually did the things I suggested, which is the (laughs) challenge for a lot of the people that I work with, if you're not working the steps, I said earlier about the Reddit profile tips, if you're not actually making the changes, you can't expect a different result. But she actually did it. And within a little more than a month, she ended up dating someone. And 
I talked to her off air, like right before the segment. And she was, I promise you, this is not TV magic. She really was single. She really was having probably a similar experience that you're having on Dating Apps, Dahlia. And she had a completely different experience of it just from swapping out some of the pictures on her dating profile and changing a little bit of her mindset. So the proof is in the pudding. Work on that profile and then maybe also work a little bit on your text game because I don't know where you're getting stuck in it. If it's you're not getting the matches or you're not getting from the match to the coffee date, but don't get stuck in the texting trap. Make sure you're driving forward to the date. And then you know what? I don't know if you want to really do coffee dates. Is that exciting to you? See if you can propose something that's a little bit more thrilling, a little bit more fulfilling for you. Like if you would be happy to have coffee with this person, even if it's not a match, then great. But if you might have more fun going for a walk or a hike or some ice cream or sightseeing or something else that sounds a little bit more like something you would do anyway, maybe try that out as maybe try that out as a youthful, more interesting first date suggestion. I hope you enjoyed episode 368 of Dates and Mates. We will put the link to Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt's book, Getting the Love You Want, in the show notes. And make sure you check out their website, harvilleandhelen.com, for all of their recent blogs. I'm at Damona Hoffman on all of the socials. You can send me a DM on any platform with your questions for the show. And we loved hearing Dahlia's voice, didn't we? I want to hear your voices too. So you could just send me a voice memo right there on Instagram, or you can leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255. And the hits just keep on coming. I will be back next week with Mark Brooks. He is also a personal idol of mine, sort of an online dating analyst. He has a blog called Online Personals Watch that I have followed for over a decade. And he's going to be talking with me about how to be safe on dating apps. Until then, I wish you happy dating.